You are Locked On Blue Jays, your daily podcast on the Toronto Blue Jays, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Blue Jays fans, and welcome to Locked On Blue Jays, your daily dose of Toronto Blue Jays talk directly into your listening device, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, the number one local sports daily podcast network in the universe pretty confident in saying that i haven't heard from other galaxies yet so i'm your host ryan andrews back for another day of blue jays talk with you of course follow me on twitter at neoac18 we have a win to talk about yay we're going to talk about it we're gonna talk about it hard because who knows when we might get one of those again i'm kidding but yeah, after the Yankees series this weekend, it was nice to see the Blue Jays beat up on a AAA team and just just get a nice, solid win. We're going to talk about uh, Jaime Garcia's role in that and maybe what his role could be in the future for the Blue Jays. And we'll preview tonight's game with Sam Gaviglio on the mound. But we want to start with a couple of excellent hitting performances last night kind of indicative of what these two have been able to turn around and do lately and we're going to start with our favorite reclamation project our favorite turnabout candidate of the year and that's Kendris Morales because Kendris Morales was the offense last night well uh, the main part of it his two home runs off Andrew Kashner were the big blows in the game. Pretty much all the Blue Jays' offense came from Kendris Morales. And it's interesting, the the complete turnaround. Because, like, I was I was a part of the fan base where, like, Kendris Morales can't be on this roster anymore. Kendris Morales is washed. Kendris Morales is better used as a reliever than a hitter. And it, it was just insane. But... You know, one of the big things Kendris Morales talked about was putting those thoughts out of his mind, knowing that he had done this before and can do it again. And he has been doing just that since he stepped onto the mound against Oakland at the Rogers Center. Another two home runs puts his total up to 16 on the year, which, you know, considering he had like, what, one? <laughs> No, it wasn't one, but it was it was still pretty bad. But he looks like he's on his way back up to hitting potentially 20, maybe even 25 if he continues to be hot. Home runs in a season. That would continue his string of 20 homer seasons. He's had six of his, well, five of his last six heading into this season. He's had 20 home run seasons aside from that year where he couldn't sign with anyone because he would have been a compensatory pick. But, no, just the, the stark turnaround for Morales since, since that pitching performance has been one of the only bright spots, really, with Randall Gritchett kind of tailing off lately and Dwight Smith not in the lineup and, you know, Danny Jansen's getting a lot of buzz, but Kendris has really been the story offensively for this team. And the way he continues to be the RBI producer in the middle of the lineup 
it's kind of opened the Blue Jays up. And we saw that with the news earlier today that Justin Smoke had cleared revocable waivers for this team, which means Smoke is now able to be traded if other teams want to pony up the price for him. And that makes it very interesting going forward because if Morales has proved that maybe he's worth keeping around instead of buying out completely, and if Justin Smoke gets moved, Smoke does have... Uh, one year left on his deal at $6 million, which makes him pretty cheap for one of the best defensive first basemen in the league and a guy who can give you an easy 20 home runs from either side of the plate. So if Smoke gets moved, and he's going to be moved for a good package if he does get moved, because like I said, he has a lot of value as a cheap first baseman. But then that potentially means that Kendris Morales could see everyday work at first base. He saw work at first base. He's seen it repeatedly over the course of the season, just, you know, giving Justin Smoke days off, uh, putting Curtis Granderson in as a DH, which Granderson will hopefully be moved soon. Probably once Andrew McCutcheon's gone, Granderson would be the fallback for whoever doesn't get McCutcheon. But it does make that lineup a bit more dynamic, especially if you consider putting Kendris at first base means you can take Teoscar Hernandez out of the field and use him primarily as a DH and spare yourself watching him trying to play defense because it has been a misadventure. And I know he's learning, but it's still really, really bad. So this this newfound development of Kendris Morales is rediscovering of his form. He's on a five-game hitting streak right now, which, you know, isn't the longest for him this season, but it's still nice to see him continuing to hit, especially after he did have kind of a rough patch in Kansas City. So it opens up the Blue Jays for a bit more versatility, but not in a way I think people expected, and it may be something to watch going forward if Morales starts getting more time at first base, and then once the September call-ups happen, maybe he starts splitting time there with Rowdy Telez, who looks like he's earned a shot to maybe prove himself at a major league level now that he's starting to hit AAA pitching finally. I mean, it's a lost season. You might as well do whatever the heck you want. So that would be an interesting dynamic going forward, and it would, again, open the Blue Jays up a little more. And if you take T. Oscar out of the outfield picture, it does get a little clearer. You can go McKinney, Pilar and Grichuk across the outfield and have a pretty good defensive outfield in that instance. And then you can call up Dwight Smith Jr. You can call up Anthony Alford and maybe see what they can offer in that kind of four-for-all or, you know, spell McKinney. Do, do whatever you want. It gives John Gibbons more options, essentially. And since we brought him up, the other star of last night, offensively for the Blue Jays was Kevin Pillar, and he continues to hit very well in the month of August. He sneakily had a a 317 average in the month of August, and he's he's got his hits four extra bases, which is nice to see. Nine of his 19 hits have been for extra bases. He's got seven doubles and two homers. He's driven in 12 runs, which is the most since April, which everyone remembers that April run. So Kevin Pillar kind of kind of reasserting himself. It 
it also makes things interesting going forward because Pilar's name has come up in trade talks, uh, potentially moving him out, moving Grichuk into center field and putting Dwight Smith Jr. or putting Anthony Alford out there. And his 257 average is the highest it's been since June 13th, which is kind of crazy. But yeah, if, if Pilar is able to rediscover this form that he had, uh, prior to his stint on the DL in July, you know, that again, that that's only serving the Blue Jays well moving forward because it does make him more attractive as a trade piece. Or if, if you decide to keep him, knowing that you do have some offensive production there, makes it more palatable to have him higher up in the lineup, especially with, with all the injuries that the Blue Jays have had with guys being unable to perform. It gives them that option of be, being able to put Pilar up there and not suffer that kind of offensive loss. So I know it's just playing out the string, but it's nice to see a couple of the more maligned Blue Jays offensively start to find their swing a little bit. And you hope that they can continue it forward for the rest of the season. And, and again, increase that trade value, even in other pieces on the Blue Jays roster. So we're going to talk about Jaime Garcia next, but first just want to remind you all that locked on NFL has become an expert show. Matt Williamson hosts it. He has a brand new lineup. Every Monday, he's bringing on local experts from across the Locked On Podcast Network. And he's got great guests lined up throughout the rest of the week. Sage Rosenfels is supposed to be on on Tuesdays. Uh, Mike Renner from Pro Football Focus on every Wednesday. Mike Sando from ESPN is joining every Thursday. So great analysts there. Be sure to follow Locked On NFL on iTunes, Google Play, wherever you get podcast content if you want to make sure you're up to speed on the NFL season coming up. And we will be coming up with Jaime Garcia Talk right after this. Okay, so first segment went a little long. So we will talk about Jaime Garcia now. Like I said, Jaime pitched a solid third of an inning last night. Hey, <laughs> we'll take it. He struck out Chris Davis. That's what Chris Davis does. He strikes out against lefty pitchers. So Jaime Garcia went out and executed his role very well. And that got me thinking, like I've slagged on Jaime Garcia enough for being a $10 million six inning guy or $8 million six-inning guy, however you want to look at how the money is dished out. Obviously not going to have his option renewed for next season, but it does get me wondering if it's not worthwhile to bring Jaime Garcia back, similar to what the Blue Jays have done the past couple seasons as a primary bullpen arm. And like I said, they've, they're pretty good on their success rate so far, the Blue Jays, in getting veteran arms back on cheap deals to serve as relievers. They're, they're batting 800 on on that mark. The, ol- the only one who did not work out was J.P. Howell. But Joe Smith was good before he got traded to Cleveland. Sung Hwan Oh was good before he got traded to Colorado. John Axford was good before he got traded to Los Angeles. Seeing a pattern there. Tyler Clippard has not been dealt, could still be dealt. Uh, he has to pass through waivers first, but he he might be just there as like the veteran arm in the pen to kind of mentor the guys. But 
Jaime Garcia becomes a little interesting because when we talked about starting options for the Blue Jays and repeatedly calling up Sean Reed Foley and Thomas Pannone to to kind of fill that that role, people wondered why uh, Joe Biagini wasn't stretched out or Jaime Garcia wasn't stretched out to serve that role. Well, first of all, we don't want to see starter Joe Biagini anymore. He he was great coming in for Ryan Barucki on Sunday, but that's that's it. That's the max I want to see Joe Biagini. I do not want to see him trying to stretch out over five innings because that does not work. Jaime Garcia, however, is a different story because it's been reported that he can't be a starter anymore. Uh, he has a pectoral issue. And because he's dealing with that, the max he can probably go is three innings, maybe four if he's working on quick pitches and getting a lot of first ball outs. But Jaime Garcia's days as a starter appear to be over in Major League Baseball. And he's had this kind of trial run as a reliever this year. And he's been serviceable since his move to the pen in July. If you take out the. Uh, the game against Oakland where he gave up six runs in an inning and a third. He's been good. He's been he's been the kind of reliever that is very useful for the Blue Jays. He's only had one other instance where he gave up runs, and that was the game against the White Sox, where he still got credit for a hold somehow, even though the bullpen blew that game too. But in August, he's put together seven scoreless outings. He even got the win in that game against Tampa Bay. His ERA's dropped a full half a run, and he's been very efficient with his pitches. None of his outings in the month of August have lasted more than 16 pitches, and those are full-inning frames for him. So recasting himself as this lefty option that the Blue Jays traded away when they sent Aaron Loop off to Philadelphia at the deadline... It, it's an interesting path for Jaime Garcia to take, and one that the Blue Jays might be convinced to look into next year. Again, it's not going to be a $10 million. You're not paying $10 million for a loogie for one year. Absolutely not. But if Jaime Garcia is amenable to coming back on a one-year, maybe a $2 million deal like Sung Juan Oh got to try and rebuild his value and, and earn a bigger paycheck next time out, maybe as a guy who, you know does a similar option deal maybe with a $4 million option, something like that, that could be very beneficial for the Blue Jays in giving them another controllable arm that they can deal at the deadline for help, especially if Garcia is proving that he can take to this new role in a spectacular faction as he has, because he's been really dominant in, in his outings. Held, held the Yankees off the board, struck out two or three against Kansas City, struck out two or three against Tampa Bay, struck out Chris Davis last night, like we said, he's been very effective in this role. And yeah, the value of him as a starter was absolutely nil for the Blue Jays. But this value that he's rediscovering as a reliever, it's very interesting. I think it's something that the Blue Jays should look at investing into in the offseason and potentially in the future. Because they're they they could have cut Garcia just outright. They could have eaten the money and, and saved one of their younger arms. But they gave Garcia this shot as to reinvent himself, and he's doing so. And he may be willing to repay for the faith for the Blue Jays. So that that's something I would look at in the offseason 
for this team is potentially bringing Garcia back on a minor league or a cheap San Juano like deal. So, you know, that would be cool. So we will talk about tonight's game against Baltimore in a sec. But first, wanted to let you know that in addition to the NFL coverage that the Locked On Podcast Network has, it's also expanding with college shows. They're going to be launching soon for a lot of SEC teams like Alabama, Florida, Kentucky, Tennessee. Uh, They got Oklahoma in the Big 12. They're going to cover Ohio State. And Penn State in the Big Ten. They got Oregon in the Pac-12. They got cross-country coverage developing. So if you're a college football fan, make sure you're you're checking out the Locked On Network on iTunes and Google Play and get your college content from a reliable source. All right, so... The Baltimore series continues. Game two goes tonight. Dylan Bundy against Sam Gaviglio. And that that does not sound like the mismatch it once was. But Gaviglio's had a really tough time as of late being able to pinpoint his pitches. Be, being able to generate the kind of swings and misses that he, he generated when he was a sensation early in the season. But he does face an opponent that he's comfortable with and is familiar with. Arguably his most successful start of the season, well, one of his most successful starts, was the seven and two-thirds innings he threw against Baltimore on July 20th. He allowed four runs late, but he struck out eight batters, just kind of ran out of gas in the eighth inning. So if he can go out and deliver a, a solid seven innings for this Blue Jays team, kind of take some of the pressure off that bullpen that's still kind of turning around a little, a little bit. I know last night was good, but four arms were used. So that only leaves like the likes of Justin Schaefer available or well, they, they option Luis Santos, so they don't have him, but it means they have guys that they don't really want to use again for the purpose of, you know, just, just kind of keeping people fresh. They do have Joe Biagini back, I believe, uh, after his couple innings of work. So it'll be interesting to see how he moves forward with that. But obviously the big thing is going to be getting Sam Gavilio to give more than six innings of work. He hasn't had a quality start since that Baltimore outing. So one of those would go a long way for a team that... You know, again, with all the injuries and trades, Gavilio's nominally the number two. I, I would argue he's number three because Barucki has passed him, but nominally number two, Sam Gavilio, in, in terms of duration in the rotation. So a big start for him and would go a long way. And, like, it's not like he's he's could be hard up for run support. I mean, Dylan Bundy got lit up earlier this year against Toronto. He only lasted five innings, gave up five runs. Like, he had that good first outing, but still lost. So, in that same start against Gavilio, that's that's why Sammy G got the no decision out of it. But it's it's not like the Blue Jays are going to be afraid of Dylan Bundy. Justin Smoke's going to go out there and, and, you know, torch him. Probably going to see Luke Maley catching today. So, we'll see if he can help Gavilio kind of keep things moving. And, again, we're just looking for continued growth. I... 
I don't know if we'd see Billy McKinney in today, given he, he did get a appearance in last night just as a defensive replacement. But I, I'm expecting them to try and work something out with Curtis Granderson soon so he can be moved. Because Grandy, as much as I love him, he's clogging up everything in the Blue Jays outfield right now. So I, I'm, I'm looking for things in that lineup. Again, like I said, Maley's probably going to get a start. So Danny Jansen will get the day off. He'll be on the bench. Um, like I said, I want to see McKinney out there. I, I guess we would have to put Teoscar out there. But again, I'm, I'm not sure how much I actually want to see Teoscar Hernandez in the outfield anymore. So it, it might be a day off for Kendris Morales as well. Kendris Morales has a 154 career batting average against Dylan Bundy. So maybe best to avoid him there. So I'd look for Kendris to get the day off. I'd look for Russ to get the day off. Probably go um, Diaz, Urania, Travis, and Smoke around the diamond. And then an outfield of Pilar, Hernandez, and I I guess it would be either Grichuk or McKinney. Hernandez would probably play in left, then Grichuk in right. But... I I want to see more Billy McKinney. I'm I'm excited to see Billy McKinney up here. I think he can be a good asset for this team, and I want to see him continue to get at bats. So I would love to see McKinney in there and Teoscar go DH, but I am not John Gibbons, so I cannot make that decision. I can only watch along with everyone else and hope that there are brighter days ahead for this Blue Jays club. There, There's hopefully a brighter day to head tomorrow because we're at the end of today's episode of Locked On Blue Jays on the Locked On Podcast Network. Just a reminder, you can follow this podcast at Locked On Jays on Twitter. Make sure you don't miss an episode when it comes out. Subscribe to it on iTunes and Google Play. That's another good way to make sure you don't miss out. You can follow me on Twitter at NeoAC18. It's NeoAC18 for Blue Jays takes during the game, after the game, while I'm watching in French at a bar. However, I got to do it. I will try and get those Blue Jays takes out for you. And if you want more of me, which I can't imagine how you could possibly handle more of me. But if you do, check out Jays from the Couch Radio on iTunes and Google Play. I am on there on this week's episode. Sean Doyle is back from his vacation. He's got me on. He's got Wade Black on. He's got Ryan Miller on. So all your favorite voices that you have heard on Locked on Blue Jays coming together at once for just a fatal four-way throwdown about the rotation and about John Gibbons' future with the Blue Jays. So that's a really excellent episode of the podcast. Really excited for you all to hear that. So check that out on the internet. And as always, thank you all so much for listening to this podcast you are why i do this podcast so thank you all so much so for everyone here at locked on blue jays and the locked on podcast network this has been ryan andrews thank you all so much for listening and y'all take care